G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I went to Bunnings Warehouse and I got an aluminium plate about a metre long. It was about three mil thick and then I bought an engraver and um, I engraved 2 Chronicles 714 into the plate. So we went up to the highest point. We had I had um, pastors and prayer partners behind me and we reclaimed the land, drove the stake in the ground and um, so it's still there today. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, our guest today is once again business owner Mick Bentham from Certified Roofing. Last time we heard how Mick became a follower of Jesus and how he learned that he's not just a Christian who owns a business, but rather he owns a business so that he can help build God's kingdom. Today we'll hear how God continues to work in his life and how seeking to build God's kingdom eventually leads Mick to Nepal. It's all coming up today as Mick continues his chat with Eric Scatterbo. So I came back from that conference. I was pumped, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking. Yeah. And it was also the good thing about the conference. They they also spoke about reclaiming the land for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the uh, the speakers there. And uh, they said, you drive this stake in the ground with a scripture on it, and you reclaim the land for Jesus. And you you come against all the um, all the bloodshed for over hundreds of years, and you you do deliverance over the land, and then you bless the land and pray Psalm 91 over it, and and you anoint it. Uh, with salt and oil, and and so you've just completely blessed them. And they told me all these different testimonies what happened. I went, wow, that's very significant. That was uh, so. I came back to Australia, totally pumped. I mean, yeah. Jenny Clapham went up to up to the top of Brisbane, and uh, on one of the hills, and uh, <laughs> reclaimed land for Jesus for for Brisbane, mm-hmm. and um, you know, reclaiming Brisbane for for Jesus basically. And uh, but through those, uh, I'm thinking God's going to use him in Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, about six months after coming back, uh, I had this uh, I had this dream, and it was I was in a foreign country. I didn't know where, mm-hmm. and it was a very demonic dream. And um, I thought, well, what was? It? I woke up and I wrote it down. I've never done this before in my life, mm-hmm. but it was so clear, it was so real. Mm-hmm. I wrote the whole thing down, and then over the next six months, things kept happening in my life that sort of resonated with the dream. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to my wife at the time, I said, you know, I feel like God's calling me somewhere, but I don't know where. And then uh, I went to my friend's house to help them out of their house, do some building works. And they introduced me to uh, this pastor from Nepal. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you know, uh, meet pastor. And me and him clicked it off. We got on really well. Mm-hmm. And um, he invited me back to Nepal. And uh, I went home and, again, another six weeks goes past or four or six weeks, whatever. And um, I'm in praise and worship during church service. And um, I look at my wife, and she's crying her eyes out. And I'm going, what's wrong? What's wrong? And um, she said, I just felt like God just told me I've got to release my husband to go to Nepal. Mm. So then I started crying. So we're sitting there like a weeping mess, the two of us. (laughs) And um, two weeks later, I'm on a plane. I'm going to Nepal. Oh, wow. And and that's where he called me. And he had one thing. He wanted me to do one thing. He wanted me to reclaim the land for Jesus. So I went on a mission trip with a big group. There was about 12 of us. 
But I wasn't there for the mission to go see the kids. I was there to reclaim the land for Jesus. But I didn't know where it was. Mm-hmm. I had no. I've never been to Nepal before. Yeah. Never even spoken on my lips, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't even know where it was. I had to look it up on the map. Yeah, and um, so I went to saw. I saw the, the pastor uh, on the second day after arriving, and I said, and I pulled him aside, and I said, "Look, everything we're going to do in the next ten days, is, you know, I'm, I'm really pumped for it. But I need you to know that I've got a specific thing I need to do." And I explained the dream to him and what God wanted me to do, and he starts crying. Wow. And he said, Brother Mick, he said, I also have a dream a year ago. And he said, God told me a place of significance that he wants me to do something, but I didn't know what to do. I just know the place. And he goes, by listening to your story, I now know that you know what to do, but not don't know where to do it, mm-hmm. but I know where to do it and I know what to do. Huh. So between the two of us, we started talking about our dreams together and they mm-hmm. sort of overlapped yeah. and quite quite comfortably so um so he started speaking to me about a place called gorka and gorka was a very predominant place in nepal it's where the king was born and 90 percent of the nepalese um the the most predominant nepalese that are successful come from gorka so um so the first time we done it which was gorka Mm. uh we drove the stake in the ground and so um, literally you had a stake or I had a steak. I went to Bunnings Warehouse. Oh, really? And I got an aluminium plate about a meter long. Huh. It was about three mil thick. And then I bought an engraver. And um, I engraved 2 Chronicles 7.14 into the plate. And it's basically um, 2 Chronicles 7.14. is that if you heal your land and you, and you turn from your wicked ways, mm-hmm. I will heal the land and, mm-hmm. um, and, and bless it. That's basically what I put on. And I, I engraved the whole scripture on there. Mm-hmm. So we went up to the highest point over the city. And mountains in the Bible are very uh, that has a, a very high relevance. The mountains uh, in the Bible are mentioned actually over five hundred times, mm. and they they basically dot out all the landscape uh, of stories within the Bible where they've taken place. But it's always 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 the highest point. So if you want a change in your put it in simple terms, if you want a change in your household, it comes from the head of the household. So it normally comes from the husband. Mm. If you want a change in your city, it comes from the mayor. Because they have the authority to to make a change. If mm-hmm. you want change in your in your country, it comes from the the king or the prime minister, you know, or the president, because they have the authority to make change. So, if you want to have change in in your country spiritually, it's got to come with authority, which normally comes from a pastor, mm. um, or your, or even yourself. You know, if you if you know your authority in, in Jesus Christ, so it's always the highest point overlooking the city. Uh, and when you look at the mountains in the Bible, uh, like Noah's Ark rested on Mount Ararat. Mm-hmm. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Jesus prayed before he was crucified on the Mount of Olives. Mm-hmm. And David captured an area which is now known as the uh, City of David at Mount Zion. They're all the highest points, very significant places. Mm. So the first time I'd done this was in Gorka um, on the 17th of July. In 2010, I reclaimed the land in, uh, for Jesus. Went up, up to the highest point. We had I had um, pastors and prayer partners behind me, and we reclaimed the land. We done deliverance and drove the stake in the ground. And it wasn't a, you know, it's just a stake. It's just a, an aluminium plate. It didn't have a cross. It goes below the ground, so nobody knows where it is because mm. it's below the ground. And um, so it's still there today. And mm. that scripture is in the land. And um, so we we done the deliverance and. 
and then and then prayed and anointed salt and oil and I didn't feel any different. I done okay. It was about six o'clock at night. All the lights were going down, and then we came away, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the next year, I went back to Nepal, and we reclaimed the land again at a different place mm-hmm. called Rukum. And uh, the pastor at the time said, "Look, you know, it was so good." He goes, "I've got to tell you some um, some testimonies, you know, of of, of this of, of you doing this." So I said, "Okay." So so we went to um, Rukum, which is in the center of Nepal, and um, we went again. We went up high up in the mountains and we reclaimed the land for Jesus, and we drove the stake in the ground, and that was on the fifteenth of September. Now all these dates are going to have a significance in a minute, and I'll explain mm. later on. Okay. So on the 15th of September 2011, I reclaimed the land in Rookham. And then two days later, we went to another place called Sirkat. And uh, the pastor told me about this place because um, Nepal is a caste system. You have and the, the two lowest castes of the entire country are the Badi caste and the Chapang caste. Mm-hmm. Um, the Badi caste, they sell their children into sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. We have about 120,000 Children get sold into sex trafficking every mm. year from Nepal yeah. goes through India and out. Um, so, and there's these little villages, and um, so we went into this Bardi village, and there's the the head, um, the chief of this Bardi village, about seven thousand people, and he's the chief, and uh, whatever his faith is, that is the faith of everybody in that village because he's he's the leader. Mm-hmm. So we we. Um, Basically, we drove the stake in the ground and uh, pastor started speaking and talking to the pastor there, or the chief, I should say, sorry, and he gave himself to the Lord. And then from there, oh, wow. um, the whole the whole village then started getting around and saying, oh, you know, what's going on, what's going on? So then they all sat there and um, uh, the pastor, uh, my pastor started, the Nepali pastor started uh, sharing the gospel to whoever came from the village. And um, out of that, we baptized 25 people that morning because they lived near the river. And we baptized them that river and they gave themselves to the Lord and baptized them there and then. We went back there the following year and they had a new sign up and it, it, it said God's God's village. And um, we had so over that time, we had 7,000 people got saved and gave themselves to the Lord. Wow. So that was on the 17th of September. Uh, then the very next day, on the 18th of September, Nepal experienced an earthquake, mm. and it was uh, six point nine magnitude. And uh, we, when we looked, it was all over the papers and everything else. And we looked at it, and the epicenter was Rookham, mm. where we drove the stake in the in the land oh, three wow. days prior. Wow! So we thought, wow, that's and it sort of gave us chills. We thought, yeah. oh, that's that was a bit okay. Is, is it coincidence? I don't know. Yeah, but I I done what God told me to do, and that was it. So, uh, but it did give me a bit of sort of certain chills. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo was once again chatting with business owner Mick Bentham from Certified Roofing. We'll hear more about Mick's efforts to spread God's kingdom in Nepal when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. 
Our guest today is once again Mick Bentham, who has a highly successful roofing business. But as we've been hearing, Mick's learned that he's not just a Christian who owns a business, but rather he owns a business so that he can help build God's kingdom. Before the break, we heard how the Lord led Mick to help build God's kingdom in Nepal. Now we'll find out what happened next in Mick's life as he continues his chat with Eric Scatterbo. So anyway, the um, over, over a few years passed, and, and um, I went to Nepal every year, and I started building a, a hostel in Nepal, and uh, for the for the Japan community, mm-hmm. and I ended up having sixty children with a hostel, and we built a school and toilets and showers, and we went we gave went to school, um, got sixty kids going to the school. So um, it was, uh, and we was going through that journey with ben, through Bentham Foundation, which is a foundation that I own, um, but I went back, and and, and during these these next um, four years, God was really working on me. And he actually asked me to do something, and I said no. (laughs) He started talking about, you know, all these significant places wherever he claimed the land for Jesus and always the highest point. And he kept warning, and he started warming on me, and he said, you know, like, where's the highest point? Where's the highest point in the world? And I'm going, what? What are you talking about? I'm just having a quiet time. He goes, I want you to. I mean, you're not talking about going to Mount Everest, seriously. Yeah. I'm not going to Mount Everest. Yeah, that's where I thought you were leading to. And um, so, for for many years, he kept he kept um, working on me, and eventually, he he would not. He was he's persistent. I'll tell you that. So, um, hmm. eventually, I thought, okay, yep, God's God's calling me to to Everest. I said, I'm not climbing Mount Everest, but I'll go to base camp. Hmm. So we started training, and um, okay, let's let's get a let's get a crew. So I got a crew of four men. As four of us, and uh, we started going training and um, to get fit mm-hmm. and uh, understand. Uh, it, it's base camp. It's basically a tra- it's it's trekking, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a ten day hike, and and you land at a place called Lukla at the airport. And you land at ten thousand feet, and it takes ten days from that point on to get to base camp, and you have to stop off twice to acclimatize, and you only have forty eight percent oxygen. Wow. So it's 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 a good hike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, and you do get tired, and it gets down to a minus thirty two degrees. So you you, wow. you can be walking in shorts and a t shirt, and then you get around a mountain and you're fine. But as soon as you get around the corner, all of a sudden you hit the winds and it just drops immediately, wow. and you have to walk backwards a hundred meters and then get reclothed, get all your gear on, and then go back and then start walking again. So it was an experience. It was an adventure. Yeah. But God told me, I want you to reclaim the land for Jesus. And where was it? It was base camp because that's the highest point of the world. And again, mountains have a significance. Mm. And Mount Everest is, a, is an idol god for mm. all the Hindus. They, they mm. worship Mount Everest. Oh, okay. So two days beforehand, God told me, he said, look, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're, you're reclaiming land, which is good, which is like the body. He goes, but there's another thing that I want you to do. I want you to reclaim the water system. Mm. Uh, it's got all the glaciers melt and they go through creeks and become rivers. And but ninety percent of the water is contaminated in Nepal. He goes, the water system. It's like a virus that's in so it's for your bloodstream. He says, this is mm. the same thing. I want you to reclaim. I said, okay, I understood that. Again, from a training. So we got the day before base camp and I reclaimed the river stream and um, drove a stake through down the ground. And, uh, and then we carried on. It didn't feel any different, but I just carried on. And then went to base camp, and we, and we reclaimed the land for Jesus uh, in base camp. Through the ice, it was just basically black. It was like there's no color when you get to base camp. Mm. It's all black and white. It's dirty ice. It's white. And it's, all, it's just black and white. It's like gray. Mm. And it's freezing. <laughs> Nothing grows there. Yeah. So anyway, so we reclaimed the land for Jesus uh, at base camp at Everest. 
And that was on the 12th of April, 2014. Um, and in front of us, four days in front of us, was an expedition um, from the BBC, from the UK. And uh, there's a there's a, actually a movie on Netflix called Sherpa. And if mm. you watch that, that's that was the expedition in front of us. Mm. Um, so anyway, um, so we left that on the 18th of April, 2014. So on 12th of April, we'd done the Reclaim Land Jesus. And on the 18th of April, they had the biggest avalanche on base camp in over 100 years. Oh, and wow. Killing many people and Sherpas. Wow. And we missed that by, by six days. Oh, wow. And the movie Sherpa, which is on Netflix, yeah. explains all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they went on an expedition not knowing what was about to happen. And mm-hmm. they ended up doing a story and, a, and all about the avalanche. So then the following year... On the 25th of April in 2015, Nepal experienced another earthquake and it was 7.8 magnitude and the epicenter was Gorkha, the very first place that mm. I drove the stake in, wow. which was the king, where the king was born, a very predominant city. Mm-hmm. And then on the 12th of May 2015, the same year, they experienced another earthquake at 7.3 magnitude and the epicenter of that was Mount Everest. Mm. So here I am, so I'm, I'm looking at all this and all what's happened. I'm thinking, well, I don't feel any different. I've just done what God's told me to do. And yes, there is significance. Is, is, it, is it coincidence that all these places that I drove the stake in the ground, something significant happened, whether it was an earthquake or an avalanche or whether, you know, the whole village got saved and, and turned to Christ? Uh, I'm not too sure. And I probably will never, I'll never know until... Yeah. The, I'll see God one day, and um, but when I look at the map and I join all the dots up and I join all the all the dates, um, yeah, it's every, every place I went to. Something mm. significant happened afterwards. So, uh, so yeah, so that was my story going to um, listening to God and the journey of going to these conferences and and being kingdom minded and doing God's work. Um, but out of that, going to Nepal, I also you know, uh, helped 60 children who have never been to school before mm-hmm. uh, in that in that village. And uh, Simon, who was the very first one that we got sponsored, um, got a full scholarship, is now studying to be a civil engineer. Oh, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot of good that came out of it. Um, yeah, getting back uh, to the, the stakes, you, as you mentioned, you don't know definitively why God led you to do that, but in eternity you'll find out Definitively, pretty much what it was all that, that's about. That's how I see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, something was happening in the spiritual realm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I've spoke about this story once before at a, at a business breakfast, mm-hmm. um, very recently, and and hence why we're here today because mm-hmm. someone in there has asked me to come and share it on on radio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that I speak freely about because it's it's quite a heavy story. Yeah. Of um, of what happened, but um. I suppose everyone has their own um, can decipher this and, and take it their own way. It's mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is you know I, I can just tell you the facts of what happened. Yeah. So you, bottom line is you believe this is all part of spiritual warfare. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 listening to God's voice mm-hmm. and, and and stepping out in faith because mm-hmm. every time I've done this, I've had to come away from work <laughs> as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, right. you're, you're sacrificing yeah. your family, your yeah. kids, and your work life and. Mm-hmm. And all that sort of stuff, but and and funny enough, every single time I went to Nepal to do this, two weeks leading up to it, um, it was like all these things started going wrong. I'd yeah, either get yeah. 
really bad flu or things that happen in business. I'm thinking oh, with the business, you know, with work. I'm thinking oh, I yeah. can't leave now. I can't leave. But and that's just the devil trying to mm-hmm. stop you yep. going and doing mm-hmm. and reclaiming and doing God's work. So, mm-hmm. you know, as they say, it's been told to me: if the devil had a board meeting and he's got all his all his demonic cronies sitting around the board, will your name come up? Huh? Are you doing God? Are you going to be you know a pain in his butt, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, good way if, of putting it. If your it. name comes up, you're doing the right way. You're yeah, doing the right yeah. thing. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but in our remaining moments, let's find out about this foundation that you started, the Bentham Foundation. Yeah. What's that all Bentham about? Bentham Foundation. Uh, so that was the uh, the first day, the first time when I went to Nepal, I came back. And um, so I went there and um, uh, the pastor showed me uh, a hostel that he was doing, he was running, and he had 60 kids in there. And mm-hmm. this is fantastic. And and. We concentrated on on a community called the Chapan community. So they are also the lowest caste of the country, um, but they're they're like a forgotten tribe, and they live in the foothills of the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. And fifty um, percent of the children die before they reach five years of age mm. because they're they live up so in such remote places. Mm. And they've never been to school, and mm-hmm. um, so we concentrated and trying to and we end up digging. Uh, we we dug three wells to give them fresh, clean water that went through a, a water purification system and um, change, change the village where they can actually then grow crops and drink fresh water because uh, they get liver diseases and kidney diseases because mm. all the, the water is so contaminated. Mm. You, get a, you get a young young child which gets sick, they drink the water because they have diarrhea and then mm. they um, need to hydrate and they're drinking the water which is actually mm. making them sicker. Yeah. Eventually, they yeah they uh, and there's no doctors or anything like that up there, so mm. um so the death rate is quite high mm. from disease and uh, so yeah so we um so we started Bentham Foundation and I bought a block of land and um, from that block of land over the over the course of four or five years we built a hostel that uh, that yeah took care of these kids and we got more and more kids from the from the villages that hand them over and they'd uh, we'd have them for uh, they, they basically went back to the village twice a year. Mm-hmm. To see the parents and the siblings, and um, and yeah, so they they stayed with us. We fed them, educated them, clothed them, and housed them, and um, we'd done that for over ten years. Mm-hmm. And uh, over sixty, we had sixty-two children in the end. And then two years ago, God told me to um, I want you to come back now, come back from Nepal. Mm-hmm. So I handed over that um, all that we'd done. I handed over to our own country partner, mm-hmm. um, which is now called For the One. They're Australian based, uh, but over here, over there as well, and um, yeah. So now all the uh, for the one organisations they actually take care of it, and it's still running today, and the kids are still there, and they're still going to school, and uh, yeah. So God just said, I want you to come back and re. Uh, we want you to um, get back to Australia and uh, look at Bentham Foundation again. So mm. we redesigned it, mm. and now we we concentrate on organizations here in Australia and mm. we partner with them because one thing you told me very clearly, I don't want you to reinvent the wheel again. Mm. <laughs> so just partner with organizations that are already doing it well. Mm. So hence yeah. why the Red Frogs and Teen Challenge and uh, other organizations like that. Wow. What a journey the Lord has had you on. Yeah. So we use the business. We use the business funds. I have three businesses and mm. uh, we use the funds, uh, the profit for those businesses that goes into Bentham Foundation. Then from Bentham Foundation, it gets fed out into uh, in the charities that we've um, we've partnered with. Fantastic. And Mick, just kind of wrapping up our conversation here today, any final observations that you'd like to share with us about your journey? Yeah, sure. Um, God always, I always have this picture, this analogy. Um, 
basically driving a car because you're always in control. Mm-hmm. And the hardest, one of my biggest struggles is always letting go and letting God drive, mm-hmm. as in, you know, driving my life, driving the business. And um, so if you, I always, you know, when you're driving, you know, your, your hand's on the steering wheel, you're in control. But mm-hmm. you're, uh, if you've got a passenger, they're looking around and they could see all the wildlife and, you know, things that are happening, they, they can see the surroundings and they yeah. look at you and they go, oh, did you see that? Did you see that? There was a deer or there was a, there was a rabbit or whatever, or it was a koala. And yeah. you get, no, I didn't see that because I'm driving because I'm concentrating on driving. But when you let go of the steering wheel, hence letting go of your business or letting go of your life and letting God be in control, you slide over into the passenger side and let him drive. And by doing that, your your eyes get opened up and you start seeing things and you see opportunities because mm-hmm. you're in the passenger side. So yeah. you start seeing opportunities in business and in life and things that uh, God wants to show you, but you can't because you're sitting in the driver's seat, white knuckled, driving the car or mm-hmm. driving driving your life, so to speak. So um, yeah, it's and that's how that's how I um every time I knew I was I was driving, I'd I'd hand it over to God again. I'd slide over the passenger side and let Him drive. You know what I learned. God drives a lot faster than I do, <laughs> and I get to a destination a lot quicker when I, when I actually let go. Mick Bentham, thank you so much for sharing your amazing journey with us today. Oh, thank you very much, Eric. Thanks for the opportunity. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Mick Bentham, who's the owner of a business called Certified Roofing. To learn more about Mick's business and the foundation he's created to further God's kingdom, the website is certifiedroofing.com.au. Once again, that's certifiedroofing.com.au. Once there, you can learn more about the Bentham Foundation in the About Us section of the website. Well, today we heard how God directed Mick step-by-step to build his kingdom, and it reminded me of the book of Psalms, where it says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Well, thanks for joining us for Mick Bentham's life story. It certainly was a good example of the fascinating adventures we can go on when we seek first the kingdom of God. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. The sad thing for me, Eric, was that I grew up in the 50s and 60s as a kid, and most of our stories here in Australia were predominantly British, and the the impression was that our Australian story was sort of second rate. But I began to see how there were people that were like me. They sang my heart music. I think it's so important that We hear stories that sing our own heart music. Paul Rowe is known as the Outback Historian and his book is called Tell Me Another, A Storyteller's Search for Australia's Lost Faith. We'll hear the story behind the storyteller and find out why Paul's so passionate about Australia's spiritual heritage next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.